This question of what does it mean to follow Jesus may seem, I don't know, a little out of place or like, okay, well, that seems archaic. We're talking about a guy 2,000 years ago. But here's the thing. We follow all kinds of things every single day, all kinds of people, right? If you're on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of those things, who are we following? Maybe we're following people that make us laugh or give some kind of positivity, maybe writers. There's designers, there's fashion, there's architects, there's everything, right, we can follow. And when I'm thinking about that, I think about how many people I follow on Instagram. And it's like 2,000 accounts, and it's everything on there. And even if we're not on social media, we probably follow particular TV shows, maybe radio shows. Maybe we follow particular podcasts. And, or we follow particular people out in the world around us. And we have our reasons for that. But when we're thinking through that of who are we following and why are we following them, how often are we just following people that just make us feel good or that maybe aren't challenging us or maybe they are? Maybe we follow to be uncomfortable or comfortable. Do we understand why we follow who we follow? And so today we're going to dig into this question that really of what does it mean to follow Jesus is really a relevant question for us in this day's time because we follow all kinds of things. And so to think through it, we're going to look at Luke 6 and the book of Luke, the entire book of Luke is really about looking at and digging into what does it mean to be a follower, a Christian of Jesus in the social environment, in the context we find ourselves. And so all the stories are kind of meant and built around trying to get us to think about and to live into. And so for today, the passage that we're going to read, we actually, I preached on it in May of 2020 from the perspective of what does it mean to have a meaningful life? But today, to look at it from the perspective of what does it mean to follow may give us a little bit more, a little bit more meat to chew on, to think about, to kind of challenge us in who and why, what we follow. So starting in Luke 6, verses 27 through 31. But I say to you who are willing to hear, love your enemies do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks and don't demand your things back from those who take them. Treat people in the same way that you want them to treat you. All right, so this notion, right, of Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. How do we respond to people we don't like? To people who aren't kind to us, who maybe cause us a lot of issues. And so here, this should be kind of a startling thing of, wait a minute, what? Because so often in our culture, right, revenge is really popular. I'm going to get revenge on. I'm going to get what I deserve. You did something to me, so what do I get back from you, right? 
That's the kind of world we live in. And so what does it mean to actually stop and go, wait a minute, how do I love my enemies? How do I bless those, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you? In this moment, it's kind of like, wait a minute, how do I bless? How do I pray? How am I able to be kind of present what does love mean in this particular context? It's actually meant to really challenge us and to take that step back instead of reacting and feeling that force, all that energy, that negativity of how dare you, and we want to push it back at somebody else, but to take a step back and go, wait a minute, how am I supposed to love in this situation? How am I supposed to bless someone who doesn't, care anything about me. And this sense and notion of pray, right? Pray for those who mistreat you. It's kind of like, okay, what you have given to me, I will not return to you in the same way. But I am going to pray for you. I am going to give it over to God. Instead of allowing that energy, that negativity to consume us and take us, for us to follow that rabbit hole, that rabbit down the hole, that it's one of those moments where it's like, wait a minute, hold up. Wait, how do I have to think about this moment? How do I have to think about my response? And then Jesus says something kind of interesting. And so often this has been used to solidify to say it's okay to be in abusive relationships. It is not okay to be in abusive relationships. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. If we're thinking about the first century and what this would mean to the hearers around there, what Jesus is conveying to them, which I have said before, is that Jesus is making it clear to the one who's slapping, if they, uh, the person turns the other cheek, it becomes an insult to the one who slapped. Like it's, it's meant to make the one who did the slapping to go, wait a minute, what? I am now insulted. And that, in our minds, in the 21st century, makes absolutely very little sense. And so for us, what if we think about it in terms of a metaphor? Because Jesus is not about abuse and hurting one another. Jesus is like, I want life to flourish. I want things, I want us to be helping each other. I want us to be encouraging each other. I want us to be a healing presence. We see that throughout his life. And so to think about kind of who Jesus is when he says something like this, to think about it then in terms of a metaphor of saying, okay, the one who is mistreating us, the one who is doing harm, we are turning away from. We are turning away from and also at the same time saying, you can't own me. You cannot mistreat me. You cannot have who I am or what I'm worth by what you give to me. And so to begin to see it as a turn away from, a turn away from the one who is mistreating, the one who tries to control us, the one who is toxic and unhealthy in the relationship. And so we see turn the other cheek and go the other way that sense of no one gets to claim us, to control us, to say we, to determine our worth, but God and God is love. God says we are worthy. 
And so we have the strength to turn and go the other way. So there's a possible way of kind of looking at it, especially in the context of how are we negotiating those really difficult situations. Continuing on in verses 32 through 36, if you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way children of the most high act for he is kind to ungrateful and wicked people be compassionate just as your father is compassionate all right so here in this moment jesus is like all right this is about to get real about love because sometimes we think about love as it feels good and oh i like you and you like me and oh we have so much in common whether that is uh, more towards the romantic or even just the friendship, right? And Jesus is like, no, love is way more complicated than that. And what I am talking about goes far beyond the easy stuff. Here, he, he's trying to get us to really take a step back of how we are loving in every single context we find ourselves in. And what does that kind of begin to require from us? You know, it's a little bit risky if we're thinking about it. And yet, he, he ends with, you will be acting the way the children of the Most High act, for he is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Jesus is really challenging us in who we love and how we love, even when we don't like them, when we don't think they're making good decisions, when we are like, I don't really want anything to do with you. What does love begin to look like in those contexts? And it doesn't necessarily mean that we are up close and personal, but instead really kind of getting us to dig into what does this mean? What does it look like? And do we sometimes shove people aside too quickly? Do we make judgments ahead? And we're going to get to that part of the passage soon. And so it, it's really asking us to dig into what kinds of things are we willing, willing to risk for love? What kinds of things are calculated risk? Again, Jesus is not asking us to be in unhealthy, toxic, abusive relationships. But instead, what does it mean to take a risk of getting out of our comfort zone, a risk of being vulnerable, a risk of saying, wait a minute, I, maybe I was wrong. What does it mean to, to take a step back and risk in terms of love for all people, for all of our communities? Recently, the movie Encanto came out by Disney, and it is a fabulous movie. It's really one of those great, great ones that I recommend everybody watch. But there's a song in it, and the song is, We Don't Talk About Bruno. And maybe you've heard it all over, uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno. And 
the Encanto is about a family, and each of the family members has a special power. They have a special gift. And not only is that special gift to help them, but it's also to help their family and to help the entire community around them. And Bruno has a gift, but nobody understands him. Nobody kind of gets him. In fact, they're kind of made uncomfortable when he tries to share it, but then he gets scared about talking about it when they don't understand him and then they don't want anything to do with him. And they begin to push him away because they don't understand him necessarily and to the point where he disappears. And so there becomes this unwritten rule in the family of we don't talk about Bruno. And I won't give away how that all goes and ends. Like I said, you should probably watch it. But to think about how love can kind of build up and encourage. And so the risk that we're taking is to build up and encourage. The risk that we are taking is going, wait a minute, so this is a child of God as well. How should I be responding differently? What does love look like in this context that is building up life as opposed to destroying it, shoving it away and saying it does not matter. So a real challenge here in how we are understanding love at work in our lives, love at work through us, love at work in every single aspect. Continuing on in verses 37 through 38. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken, and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. These words of Jesus here sound a little bit like karma, right? So what you put out there into the world, you may get that back. And to recognize, you know what? If you're going to be judgmental, don't expect people to not be judgmental right back, right? If you are unforgiving to the people around here, why should you expect forgiveness yourself? Because sometimes we want to make this about, well, this is God's reaction to us. But remember, we just read. Jesus is making sure that we're separating it out. You will be acting like the way children of the Most High act, for he is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. God is compassionate to us, but when we do certain things, when we are interacting with people in particular ways, does it mean that if we are non-judgmental and we are forgiving all the time, that that's what we will always receive in return? Absolutely not. But it begins to sow the seeds because oftentimes people are just reacting to us right, as we are going through this world. And so if we have unkind, non-compassionate things to say, then we may get that back. And this is a really hard thing because it is so easy to be judgmental and not forgiving. It's really hard to be non-judgmental and forgiving. Because we all have different personalities. We all have things that kind of irk us, that kind of get on our nerves, that kind of disturb us. We have expectations of how the world should work around us. And so when those expectations aren't met because of other people, it is easy for us to begin to step into 
that place of how dare you or those are really bad choices. Things are not going to be good, right? We step into that judgmental thing. And here Jesus is asking us, just take a step back. Just take a little step back. And it is so absolutely difficult. This is not easy to do. In fact, we, pro- we may struggle with this every day. I know I often struggle with these things, right? Because there are expectations. And then when they are not met, when others do not meet them, right, we are let down. And there is pain and there's reaction. And so here, Jesus is just trying to get us to think through what are we practicing in our words and deeds? How are we engaging with others? Because if we start to kind of back away, if we start to risk the whole, like, I'm not in control of everything. If we start to take that risk of, okay, I don't know what's gonna happen and I'm gonna have to let it go and go to God. If we start to take those kinds of risks, we may begin to find ourselves stepping a little easier into that love, that love of all people. If we begin to recognize the Christ in everyone, kind of like we talked about last week, that whole empathy across the board, it may help us begin to navigate our situations, our context, our relationships a little bit differently Because all of us screw up. I screw up. All of us screw up. All of us struggle with something. And, you know, there have been times where maybe a kind word hasn't been said. We've done something that we wish we hadn't done. And we are looking for forgiveness from others. We are looking for that compassion from others. We are hoping for that non-judgmental from others. And so here Jesus is like, that's kind of what you want. It's kind of what we want. So are we able to give that to others in return? Continuing on in Luke 6, 39 through 42. Jesus also told them a riddle. A blind person can't lead another blind person, right? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Disciples aren't greater than their teacher, but whoever is fully prepared will be like their teacher. Why do you see the splinter in your brother's or sister's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, brother, sister, let me take the splinter out of your eye, when you don't see the log in your own eye? You deceive yourselves. First, take the log out of your your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother or sister's eye. Whew! And this is one of those like Jesus speaking and like mic drop moments. Because I mean, that, that's some heavy like stuff of like, okay, we got to do some total self-awareness, self-reflection. We got to be like on things and to recognize so often that when things bother us about somebody else, it's because they bother us. Those are the things that bother us about ourselves. Those are sometimes the things that we ourselves kind of struggle with. And so here, Jesus is trying to refocus us of saying, okay, who are you following? Are you following the people who get you angry and upset, who are like, you are wrong, look how you are wrong, look how you are wrong, right? Or are we following Jesus who's like, okay, so we need to have some empathy and we need to take stock of what's going on and the choices we ourselves are making, our own struggles, and begin to work on those 
before we start to go after someone else. It's kind of to slow up that process of being judgmental. It's, that, it's to, to help us in that, how do we love our enemies? How do we pray for others? Like all of these are like little practices that he's kind of getting us on. He's trying to help us to think through. Because Jesus is far more concerned about how will we flourish in life. Right? If we think about what we spoke about last week, about who Jesus is, right? That healer, that encourager, that one who, who tries, who tries so hard to live that love in every single aspect, even as he is on his way to betrayal, arrest, pain, suffering, death that Jesus is like, no, we still got to try to love each other. It's like this, this practice of we are trying and we are trying because Jesus wants us to flourish. And so to think about that, of when we are trying to take that risk of love, when we are trying to risk in, in a way that is calculated in relationship, it means we are taking a risk in understanding ourselves more deeply and understanding what we have to do to encourage one another. That we have to first look at the things that we struggle with before we become consumed about somebody else. And so we are taking that risk of putting a microscope on ourselves, of saying, wait a minute, we need to live better Wait a minute, all of us make mistakes. Wait a minute, all of us struggle somehow. All of us are just trying to live the best. And so we have to take that risk of being vulnerable in the things that we struggle with so that we might then flourish. Because Jesus is like, okay, we can be real about it. We can be real about our vulnerabilities. We can be real about the things that we struggle with in the places that we need healing, in the ways that we need to be strengthened. Because in those things, those realizations, those movements and practices, we begin to cultivate a life that is honest and is able to flourish in new ways. And we hear this flourishing in these final verses. 43 through 47. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit, nor does a bad tree produce good fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. People don't gather figs from thorny plants, nor do they pick grapes from prickly bushes. A good person produces good from the good treasury of the inner self, while an evil person produces evil from the evil treasury of the inner self. The inner self overflows with words that are spoken. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, hears my words, and puts them into practice. So what is our life producing? So Jesus is like leading us through. Of, okay, we need to think about love. We need to kind of think about what perspectives are we holding that may be problematic. What are the ways that we are reacting in this world that really aren't helpful or that are helpful? How are we engaging with one another? How are we understanding ourselves? What is it the, that we want to produce in life? How might we flourish? What are the things we need to be practicing? 
And so as we've read through the stories, as we've looked at who Jesus is and who Jesus calls us to be, what about those stories actually encourages us? It's not supposed to make us go, well, I can never live up to. No, it's supposed to encourage us in new ways of living and being, of new ways of understanding one another, of new ways of going, wait a minute, I think I need to take a step back and get some perspective on this. Wait a minute, maybe this is where I need to be vulnerable, where I need to take that risk. Maybe this is where I need to, Jesus is asking us, encouraging us, calling to us, to say, hey, wait a minute, what about taking it like this? What about trying to live this way? What about trying to love one another in this capacity? Jesus is all about practicing. He knows we don't have it all together. He knows we struggle. And that's why he just keeps encouraging. He keeps calling to us and saying, who are you following? What are we following? Why do we follow certain things? And what is it about Jesus that we want to follow this day? What is it about Jesus that we want to live that kind of way? Not just for ourselves, but for everyone around us. Because our lives are connected to everyone else's life. Our lives are so connected with one another, still connected to the life of Jesus, that it's not just us. It's, it's about being able to be that wonderful presence to all that we meet. Doesn't mean the world becomes rosy. Doesn't mean we won't have people push back on us. But we will know that we are trying. That we are trying to practice the way of Jesus. Amen.